Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. It's time for the Newsmax Daily from Newsmax, America's fastest-growing cable news channel. Now, now, here's your host, Rob Carson. The lesson of the show today that I'm going to bring to the floor is that if you are a swamp dweller, if you have been in Washington, D.C., if you are a part of the FBI, if you are part of the CIA, if you are part of the State Department, if you are part of the upper echelons of the military, uh, if you are the President of the United States, if you are the Vice President of the United States, you will not be held accountable when you really F things up. You will not be held accountable. Not one little bit. Yesterday we saw with these uh, generals being grilled on Capitol Hill an abject departure from responsibility. But is this a big surprise? Because Joe Biden, everything is Donald Trump's fault. You know, the, the, uh, the chickens come home to roost here. I take responsibility, but everything's Donald Trump's fault. And yesterday, we couldn't get a simple answer to whether or not Joe Biden acted autonomously by withdrawing all of our troops from Afghanistan, which was the most idiotic move in American foreign policy ever. Leaving $85 billion worth of equipment to the Taliban. Invested 20 years in Afghanistan. People came home maimed. People came home burned. I've seen plenty of them. I know plenty of them with scars you can't see, including my nephew. But for some odd reason... We couldn't get to the answer that we had asked for, which is, did Joe Biden reject the generals or did the generals not even offer the advice to the president to say, we got to keep 2,500 troops there? So we couldn't get to that yesterday. We've got a lot of stuff to do with the COVID and COVID dictators. Also, there is a massive January 6th cover up that has been uncovered. And I said this from the get go. It was never the gigantic uh, insurrection. Everybody on television flagellated themselves when they introduced, oh, this, this January 6th riot was unexcusable and it, and it was, uh, it was not American and it was the worst thing since, uh, you know, the uh, revolution or the, uh, the attack in 1812 and all of this stuff. And I said from the beginning, nonsense. And I knew it was nonsense because you'd see some of the pictures of, like, for instance, the Capitol with all the Trump supporters in the front, and they would darken the sky, and they would make it look like they uh, the Capitol was on fire. And it was in the middle of the day. It was in the middle of the day, so none of that happened. And we've seen some uh, some new footage now. They just unveiled. They had to release. And it shows people just being welcomed in. And it shows uh, people, oddly enough, in uh, black garb like Antifa uh, going in first. And then moms and family saying, hey, man, the door's open. Let's go in. And I remember that day I said, I said, I hope this is a peaceful Berlin Wall movement because we need that here. We need the Berlin Wall because right now the Berlin Wall is Washington, D.C. Doesn't represent us anymore. Taxes us to death and then ultimately doesn't take responsibility when our people are killed. Also, I've got some uh, news about massive voter fraud in several states, including Georgia. 
And some news about the Zuckerbucks. Remember the Zuckerbucks, Mark Zuckerberg, for some odd reason? He's the, uh, you know, modern version of the robber barons that owned uh, the uh, publishing empire in the 1920s. And Mark Zuckerberg has as much impact and holds as much sway over the popular narrative with regard of uh, everything by shutting out uh, conservatives. And he was able to spend 500 million of his own dollars to impact the election in favor of Joe Biden and Democrats. And I'm going to share that coming up on the show as well. But I, I got to tell you, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to dive into what happened on Capitol Hill in just a second. I have to mention, and I, and I thought about this yesterday, Biden's $3.5 trillion budget and all of the things that they've thrown in this uh, for social engineering. It is a, a class of 1968's wet dream come true. 2,465 pages detail how they spend, uh, plan on spending $3.5 trillion. This makes the infrastructure bill that uh, Barack Obama failed on, that $785 billion infrastructure bill, that we, we took the money and we spent it, and he laughed and said, I guess our, our shovel-ready products projects weren't shovel-ready, and nothing got done. It was just a massive payoff to Democrat uh, unions. Remember all that? I remember that. I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, but I remember that. Just one of the things in this bill that I, that I grabbed me after I, I left the show and I'd comment because they have this three uh, billion dollars for tree planting and they're calling it uh, tree equity. I, I don't know what the heck that is. I, I honestly know tree equity and I mentioned it yesterday. I have two silver maples in my front yard. I guess I should add a, uh, a spruce or something, you know, cause I want, I want tree equity. I don't want to leave any trees out. I got a willow in the backyard. So maybe I. Maybe I'm doing that. But have you been to Home Depot or Lowe's or any one of the gigantic nurseries that surround most of our communities lately? Because uh, my wife and I, we watch a lot. Of, well, she makes me watch a lot of HGTV. And you go to Lowe's. They have rows and rows of trees. They earn billions of dollars. Billions of dollars. They want they want $3 billion for tree planting. People go to Lowe's and Home Depot and all these, and they spend billions of dollars on trees that they're planting. And, and we know that companies um, uh, harvest trees. They learned how to manage these uh, these forests by replanting as soon as they cut down the trees. And then you've got every municipality and every yard in the country, uh, with the exception of maybe Vegas, where trees are everywhere. Right now, I have a residence in the Kansas side of Kansas City. Uh, if you would have come here 150 years ago, uh, there would be no trees here. Very few trees here. Maybe along like the Missouri River, but but honestly, no trees here. So we have more trees than we've ever had in our entire lives, in our country's history, okay? So this narrative that we're like uh, chopping down the rainforest and whatnot is a falsehood. And then, of course, the $25 billion for nonprofits uh, to provide anti-discrimination and bias training which is really important, and $12 billion for electric cars. Honestly, if people aren't buying electric cars, there's a reason, and it's because they suck. It's because they're too expensive. It's because you can't. We were built on. The, the interstate highway system came around, and uh, and Americans were able to travel across the country. There was Route 66 before that. Then you could travel across the country, and you could just stop it at a gas station and fill up. And, and we have suddenly made, even though cars are burning cleaner than they have ever, 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 they're trying to push electric cars on people to the tune of $12 billion spent on them. They're too expensive, and you can go like maximum 400 miles if you're lucky before you have to stop and charge the car for a few hours rather than stop and fill up the car with gas, which takes about, oh, you know, five, ten minutes. Five, ten minutes. 
Postal Service is going to add a billion to its uh, to its fleet. They're going to convert their fleet to electric. And in states like uh, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Michigan, Upper State New York, um, they will discover that uh, the batteries slow down in the wintertime and the cars become even less effective. But some people are getting rich off of it. Really, really rich off of it. Really, really rich off it. And then on top of all of this, Joe Biden wants to increase the number of agents in the uh, IRS by 80,000. He wants to create a an army of IRS agents. He literally does. He's going to weaponize the IRS. It's not necessary. You could actually dismantle the IRS and make uh, and tax returns a lot simpler. But he's choosing to weaponize the IRS and insisting that the IRS would track all bank transactions under $600. So what do you get paid every two weeks? Is it $600 or more? That suddenly is a red flag to the IRS. Wow, just wow. Capital gains going through the ceiling. Marginal income tax rate on some small businesses raised by 24%. Multiple severe marriage penalties are imposed. Isn't marriage a penalty enough? I mean, isn't it? You know, you don't, you need to punish even more. I'm kidding. $6.89 tax raised per barrel on imported petroleum and increased tax with inflation. And of course, Donald Trump had us energy independent. Capital gains tax is going to go up, death tax increased, and why in the hell should the government win the lottery when you die after you've been taxed on all of that income your entire life? The high and mighty government needs more and more and more and more and more. Oh, by the way, a pharmacist in uh, in Maryland at a Walgreens uh, mistakenly gave a four-year-old girl the uh, COVID vaccine instead of a flu shot. Wow. The child is a Colette Oliver, was injected with a dose of the Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. It is currently only approved for children who are at least 12 years old. Victoria Oliver, the girl's mother, told the, uh, the son that it was a record scratch moment that has left her with dire fears about her daughter's death. Now, if you're a Democrat, you know, there's nothing wrong with this vaccine. There's nothing to worry about. In fact, you're going to lose your freedoms unless you get it. And New York last night killed the jobs of thousands of healthcare workers who refused to get the COVID vaccine. The Biden administration sounds just perfectly fine. I don't know why the fury, so he accidentally gave a four-year-old COVID vaccine. The COVID vaccine is uh, appears to do everything but prevent infection of COVID and stop you from having to wear a mask. Other than that, very safe and effective. <laughs> that is a very safe and effective. And if I were, if I were this kid's dad, I'd be very mad about it. I'd be really mad about it. I have a 16-year-old and a 21-year-old, and they decided they wanted the vaccine. And I said, okay, whatever. And their mom said, sure. And I said, whatever. Your decision, kids. Your decision. So what we're going to do is we're going to get into what happened on uh, on Capitol Hill yesterday and the abject um, rejection of responsibility by our nation's most powerful military leaders. We are caught in a lie somehow here. Somebody is not telling the truth. But the one thing that we can say is that the pullout from Afghanistan was massive, deadly, awful, and stupid. <laughs> I've got more on this coming up, but I do want to mention Home Title Lock. Do you have equity in your home? Maybe 50000 maybe $100,000. Cyber thieves look at that and go, ding, ding, ding. I'm going to be able to take out a loan. I'm going to forge your signature. I am going to 
use that money and you're going to end up getting stuck with a bill and you may lose your home. You're not covered by insurance when this happens. I've been there. I had my identity, my, my identity stolen. Somebody's using my social security number. I couldn't buy a car for 90 days. I had everything locked. Everything locked. How would you feel if all of this hard-earned money you spent to, to have your home was taken from you? Home title theft is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. And with home title lock, you don't need to worry about it. You could already be a victim. You don't even know it. You don't, you don't even know it. Protect your most valuable asset. Register your address now to see if you're already a victim and receive a complete title history of your home. That's $100 value free. Okay? Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code RADIO for 30 days of free protection. I have mine. I've been watching my alerts. Good to know. Dissent is not disinformation. It's the Rob Carson Show. So it's kind of funny, you know, there are two big uh, books out there right now. One of them is uh, a new book by uh, Bob Woodward and Robert Costa that says that General uh, Billy and uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, effectively pulled off what was a a coup with Donald Trump in office, saying that he was crazy. The book said uh, a transcript between Milley and Nancy Pelosi said that uh, Nancy Pelosi said he's crazy. You know, he's crazy, discussing Trump's efforts to overturn the results of the election, culminating with the January 6th, not a riot. Uh, at the U.S. Capitol by his supporters who sought to block the certification of the Electoral College vote. He's crazy. What he did yesterday is further evidence of craziness. Of course, he was impeached for it and found innocent. Uh, there was nothing to it. And Milley said, I agree with you on everything. Okay, that's one book. The other book just came out with uh, former White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham. It's about uh, Donald Trump. And one of the big headlines of the book was, back in 2019, uh, Donald Trump got a colonoscopy and decided not to be sedated because he didn't want Mike Pence in charge. That is fantastic. That is just fantastic. We'll get to uh, what happened on Capitol Hill in a second. We have Allison Catonsville on the line. Hello there, Allison. Welcome to the Rob Carson Show. Oh, my goodness. Rob Carson, I called you a few weeks back when you uh, were substituting, and all I have to say right this second is welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so happy to have you on WCBM. I can't uh, tell you. And if anybody, I think I told you at that time, if anybody can fill the shoes of this time slot, it's definitely you, and I'm hoping you're going to go syndicate and you're going to go national, it's going to be awesome. So, um, Will you be my agent, please? Will you please be my agent? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, does that mean I'm hired? I can yes, take some you, money? <laughs> you're hired. You're hired. So what's, what are your thoughts? Go ahead. So, so you were talking about the trees thing yes. yesterday, and also today you brought it up a little bit, and that kind of spurred me to call you because uh, I was reading an article a while back, and it was talking about how we actually have more trees in North America now than we did when the country began. Of course we do. In the colonial days, they basically cut almost everything down because they were trying to have farms, you know. Yes, yes. And, and also, be, prior to that, even, uh, you know, Columbus came, and uh, there there's documentation about how they, they had observed that the Native Americans were actually practicing forest management yes so well, what i'm telling you it's, is it's, ridic- it's ridiculous <laughs> it, it, it is ridiculous to say that we need two billion dollars for uh tree equity when right. it, uh, god go to go on a spring day go to freaking lowe's or home depot and you'll be shoved around and people will be loading trees into the back of their car and it happens every year so right. it, it's it's nonsense what's your other thought then by the way oh well 
I did want to mention that I would like people to understand what it's really like to be under communism because my parents were both born in what is now the Czech Republic. Yeah. Um, my grandparents had to, well, my, my father's side of the family came over in 1920, so that, that was pre-communism and pre-Nazism. But my mother's side, my mother didn't come over until 1945. Okay. And unfortunately, my grandparents on, on my mother's side were not, so they were pretty wealthy. And yeah, in 1948, uh, communists took over. Um, they said, you're, you're too wealthy. They took half of everything in their accounts. They came back a couple of months later. They said, you're still too wealthy, and they took half again. Yeah. At that point, my grandmother went shopping. She bought china, crystal, jewelry, furs, tapestries, um, port paintings. Um, my house looked like a museum when I was growing up. And yeah. um, my mother, so my my grandparents, uh, they had had three businesses. He, my grandfather had an insurance business, a paper mm -hmm. mill, and he also had a stamp factory. And I will tell you, Rob, that when the communists came, they said, okay, all your businesses are now the people's businesses. Yep. And if you'd like, you can stay on and manage the stamp factory that you like so much. And my grandfather said, thank you very much, because if he had said anything else, he would have been sent to Siberia to the gulag. Yeah. Well, and the same thing is going on, Allison. i got to go because we're getting okay. running about a heartbreak here. Um, but, you know, the you can't evict people from your property even if they're not paying rent. Okay, you want to talk about a government takeover? Right. You want to talk about a government takeover? Get back. got that great call it's about life in Czechoslovakia. The IRS wants to track all bank transactions over 600 bucks. When is the last time you had a $600 transaction in uh, in your uh, checking account or in your bank? He's opening the door to almost every American. They, they want to weaponize the IRS. There's no doubt about this. Now all they need is a reason to get into your bank account. Right now, I believe it's any deposit of $5,000 or more gets uh, the government gets notified. That's what I've heard anyway. They want to track all of you, and they want to use an army of 80,000 IRS agents to go after you. If you disagree with the government, in other words, if you're one of those uh, disseminators of disinformation and misinformation, the uh, Republicans are not playing along with this $3.5 trillion debacle. And yet, unlike the last time there was a possibility of a shutdown of the federal government because of uh, the debt ceiling not being raised and because of a budget not being passed, well, the Democrats can't panic everybody. This is what happened the last time the government shut down because of budget issues. I did this for uh, for Rush Limbaugh, and it is amazing since the Democrats are in charge now and can't pawn this off on Republicans, it's suddenly not a big deal about raising the debt ceiling or uh, a government shutdown. Now, if Congress allows this meat cleaver approach to take place, it will jeopardize our military readiness. Border Patrol agents will see their hours reduced. FBI agents will be furloughed. Federal prosecutors will have to let criminals go. Thousands of teachers and educators will be laid off. This is the end. I'm not here to scare people. I'm, I'm here to inform. Obama says if we don't spend. I don't think we can maintain the same security. Democrats, they will not bend. These cuts are not smart. Budget cuts, they are. For this is the end. They will add 
hundreds of thousands of Americans to the unemployment roll. Kids will die if we don't spend. They are not fair. They will hurt our economy. China knows we owe them. Yeah. People will lose their jobs. From future kids we've stolen. Buy a shotgun. Let the sky fall. Let it Thing. Things have gotten worse. Things have gotten worse. It is it is remarkable, and and you know the only common the only common ground we have with that uh, government shutdown and that budget battle, the only thing in common is that uh, uh, Barack Obama is still pulling the strings. Yeah. And that's my contention. He's, he's still in charge. This, all this is, is an extension of what he only dreamed of. And now the Democrat Party is doing it against the rule of the people. All right, let's get to busy on this. Uh, what happened yesterday on uh, Capitol Hill? We had uh, General Milley there. We had Lloyd Austin there. We had General Frank McKenzie there. All of them dodging responsibility for the Afghan pullout, the gigantic failure of our intelligence community and ultimately 13 Americans being killed with, at, right after 18 months of no casualties, no big planes. Remember that? Remember when you get the planes that were uh, carrying uh, caskets draped with flags to Andrews Air Force Base that took place during the the Obama administration? And they went away during the Trump administration, oddly enough, and they came back during the uh, during the Biden administration, in fact, just a couple of months ago. Now, I had mentioned earlier that uh, we've got this new book here. Uh, which is by Bob Woodward, and it says that General Milley spoke with Nancy Pelosi January the 8th. A transcript of the call said, she said, Trump is crazy. You know he's crazy. What he did yesterday on the uh, 6th is an evidence of his craziness, and Milley said, I agree with you on everything. Yesterday, General Milley did not discount this. But he did make it sound like his call was completely something else. Here's a little exchange with General Milley and then Mark Meadows with his reaction to it. And readouts of this call were distributed to the interagency that same day. Shortly after my call ended with General Lee, I personally informed both... I thought he was dead. ...Secretary of State Pompeo... They just took down his statue. ...and White House Chief of Staff Meadows about the call, among other topics... He's really good at bloviating, isn't he? Now, here's uh, Mark Meadows talking with my uh, friend Steve Cortez at Newsmax. So, Chief Meadows, is that accurate? Were you fully briefed? And then secondly, was this call as routine as General Milley wants us to make it seem? Listen, uh, when when you start to hear some of the testimony and what's coming out of General, General Milley's mouth uh, now, uh, you, you have to question whether uh, the testimony is fiction or the book is fiction. I just want to know who's responsible. I, I can tell you this, without talking about any of the specifics of what General Milley and I may or may not have discussed, uh, I can tell you that the comments that were outlined in the Woodward book uh, came as a complete shock to me. Uh, 
uh, when when I saw the headlines, I can tell you that those kinds of conversations were not uh, ones that I had while I was in in the White House. And uh, and so under under questioning tomorrow, that's what they really ought to ask him is, is let's take the exact quote. Did you say this or did you not? And he never cleared that up. Here is uh, Dan Sullivan, a Republican, asking uh, Millie about uh, what you said versus the Woodward book. If the head of the PLA called you and said, hey, we're getting ready to invade Taiwan and Xi Jinping found out about it, he'd be shot. But let me ask a related question. But unfortunately, we can't shoot. Never mind. You said you were, quote, certain that President Trump did not intend on attacking China. That's what you just said. That's correct. Yet you're quoted in the Woodward book as telling the the top Chinese communist military commander, quote, if we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. Which would put our troops in incredible danger. Is that true, General Milley? Well, let me tell you what I actually said. Uh, That's not true. I hope that's Let me tell you what I actually said, Senator. Uh, What I said, if there's going to be a war, uh, if there's going to be an attack, there's going to be a lot of calls and tension ahead of time. But what you're going to get caught, you're going to get caught. Your testimony was that you were certain President Trump would not attack. That's your testimony this morning. Then why make the phone call? That is true. That is absolutely true. Why would you? And I was, I was communicating to my Chinese counterpart on instructions, by the way, to de-escalate the situation. And I told. What was the intelligence based on? I mean, where's the credible intelligence that the Chinese were looking at that said uh, Donald Trump was going to cause a conflict with the Chinese to stay in office? I told him that we are not going to attack. President Trump has no intent to attack. Ah, you were defending the president that you hate. And I told him that repeatedly. And I told him if there was going to be an attack, there will be plenty of communications going back and forth. Your intel system is going to pick it up. I said, I'll probably call you. Everybody will be calling you. We're not- hey, buddy, just wanted you to know we're going to attack you. All right, cool. Are we still on for beers on Thursday? Just wanted to make sure. Oh, uh, Lindsey Graham, of course, was uh, was on with Spicer, Sean Spicer. And uh, and he was cool with the call. Absolutely cool with the call. Big surprise from the rhino. Yeah, yeah, I spent an hour and a half with General Milley. I just didn't think about it. I actually spent an hour and a half with him and Congressman Waltz, where he walked me through both phone calls. And it was an intelligence-driven process. You're a military member. There was intel that the Chinese believed that Donald Trump was going to initiate attack against China to change the... Well, if there were no actionable intelligence, if there were no evidence of this, where were they getting their concern? Uh, out of the National Enquirer? I mean, where where was the concern coming, honestly? Narrative for the 2020 race. This is such a giant flaming pile of you-know-what. That is a bunch of BS. This phone call was generated by civilian control working with the military to reassure the Chinese that President Trump was not going to initiate attack against the Chinese. And we knew that he wasn't going to, and uh, yet we felt the need to call them. I'm okay with what uh, uh, General Miller... Well, that doesn't surprise me because, you know, it just kind of depends. Your take depends on the day of the week, Lindsey Graham, honestly. Honestly, here are the generals uh, yesterday throwing Joe Biden under the bus. I mean, it was <laughs> it was it was something else. I'm throwing him under the bus because uh, Joe Biden said that uh, nobody told him that they couldn't pull everybody out. Nobody told him that 2,500 troops minimum needed to stay at uh, Bagram Air Force Base. General Milley, it's your testimony that you recommended 2,500 troops uh, approximately stay in Afghanistan. Yes, my assessment was. Uh, 
back in the fall of 20 and it remained consistent throughout that uh, we should keep a steady state of 2,500 and it could bounce up to 3,500 maybe something like that. General McKenzie, do you share that assessment? Senator, I do share that assessment. Uh, President Biden last month in an interview with George Stephanopoulos said that no military leader advised him to leave a small troop. Somebody's not being truthful. Presence in Afghanistan. Did these officer and General Miller's recommendations get to the president personally? Their input was uh, was received by the president and considered by the that president. That is Lloyd Austin. President, uh, for sure. Uh, in terms of what they... The number two biggest liar in the military. Specifically recommended, Senator, they just, as they just said, uh, they, they're not going to provide uh, what they recommended in confidence. All right, here we go. Here's uh, uh, Jennifer, uh, General McKenzie being uh, throwing Biden under the bus. I won't share my personal recommendation to the president, but I will give you my honest opinion. Now listen to this, okay? Because he's not going to offer... His uh, his personal share my personal recommendation to the president, and then he does. But I will give you my honest opinion, and my honest opinion and view shaped my recommendation. I recommended that we maintain 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. You just said what you recommended, and I also recommended earlier in the fall of 2020 that we maintain 4,500 at that time. <laughs> those are my personal views. Sure. I also have a view that the withdrawal of those forces would lead inevitably to the collapse of the Afghan. So who do you believe? Who do you believe? They're contradicting each other and they're throwing our military members under the bus, including a guy right now who spoke out against the, the colossal failure of the withdrawal. He's sitting in a, in a brig right now. Do we have adults in charge? Do we have adults in charge? Here's Jen Psaki uh, yesterday saying, hey, basically, who, who told Biden to pull everybody out? Who and his military advisors told him it would be fine to pull everybody out? I'm not going to get in specific details of who recommended what, but well, I. Well, why the hell not? We deserve to know it. You're the press secretary. Ken, I would. Oh, I'm sorry. You're the you're the official propagandist. Reiterate a little bit of what I conveyed before, which is that there were recommendations made by a range of his, his advisors. Something he. She talks up when she's lying. By the way. Welcomed something he asked them to come to him, uh, clear-eyed about, uh, to give him candid advice. Oh, uh, what is also clear, though, and I'd also note again, what yes. Secretary Austin said today yes. is that was not going to be a sustainable, over-the-long-term troop presence. We were oh, I think it would have been because it was only 2,500. Always going to look at escalating the numbers, at potentially. Would have given us a base there in case the Taliban tried to, I don't know, take over the country and murder all of our uh, our uh, people who we left there who helped us out. Come back to war with the Taliban at risking casualties. Things got a whole lot murderier when Joe Biden decided to shut down that airbase. That was not a decision the president was going to make. But of course, he welcomes advice. He welcomed advice. Ultimately, it's up to the commander-in-chief to make a decision. Sure. He made a decision it was time to end a 20-year war. Okay, there you go. And uh, here she is with a little follow-up question about, about that as well. That military advisors to the president said it was okay to pull all the troops out, that it'd be fine. That's not what I said. What I said was they recommended, I think we should not dumb this down for anybody here. We're talking about the initial. Oh, I think you're doing that quite successfully. Phase post May 1. We're not talking about long-term recommendations. There was no one who said oh. five years from now we could have 2,500 troops and that would be sustainable. And I think that's important for people to know oh. and to understand. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, a lot of things happening yesterday on the Capitol Hill. A lot of uh, a lot of nonsense coming from the DHS. Our special guest, former acting U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security, and now works with the Heritage Foundation, Chad Wolf, joins us on the phone. Hello, sir, and welcome to the show. 
Hey, well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, I wanted to ask you, what did you think of uh, what happened yesterday on the Hill with regard to the uh, generals being grilled about the Afghan pullout? Well, I think it was uh, some pretty interesting testimony, and I think the, the really interesting thing was, you know, their recommendation and their best advice on how to keep 2,500 troops there in Afghanistan and, and the fact that President Biden claims he, he either didn't hear that or he disregarded that information. And I think the administration needs to explain why, why uh, he decided to not take the advice of his generals. Look, he's the president. He has the uh, the right to do that. But I think he needs to explain to the American people why he chose to go that route. Um, and I think that's really the interesting part that came out of it for me. Well, yeah, and also there was a contradiction because Joe Biden essentially said when he talked to uh, when he talked to uh, George Stephanopoulos that uh, not every one of the generals said you should keep troops there and then kind of said nobody uh, nobody told him to keep troops there. So it's a matter of, of who you believe. And, and honestly, at this point, with regard to this information, I don't believe anybody. What are your thoughts? Well, I think uh, I think it's pretty clear when you have three uh, military members, uh, two of which are in uniform, uh, the third one being the secretary, all saying that they gave their advice to the president. <clears throat> the advice was the what the advice was given, um, and so the question is, if it wasn't given directly to the president but to his staff in the White House, why why wasn't it passed along? I think there's a number of questions that need to be answered, but at the end of the day. I think the president needs to explain to the American people why he chose not to keep uh, a limited and a small amount of troops there. What storyline do you believe with regard to the phone call uh, between uh, General Milley and General Lee in uh, China? Uh, because in the book, Bob Woodward's book, it appears to have been instigated by a conversation between Nancy Pelosi and uh, Mark Milley about Donald Trump possibly wanting to hold on to the White House uh, by uh, creating a military conflict with China. And then Milley called the general. But now Milley is saying, no, we had they had actionable uh, intelligence that said that Trump might do it. And I was just calling to reassure him, don't believe any of that stuff. So, I mean, who, which which storyline do you personally believe here? Yeah, you know, I've been unfortunately I've been around D.C. for long enough to uh, really not put a lot of stock in Bob Woodward and the books okay. that he writes or, or a lot yeah. of political books that are being written. They do a lot of interviews, and they take a lot of inter those interviews out of context. So it's hard to ascertain what the real truth is. Uh, mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I think if General Milley made those uh, phone calls, which he says he did, I think yeah. he had an obligation to tell um, other folks in the administration exactly when those phone calls were made and, and what was said and why he made them and what mm -hmm. in which context. And I'm not sure that that was accurately reported out after those uh, after those phone calls. So, uh, look, I think it's hard. Anytime you're dealing with uh, journalists that are writing books, they're going to twist their comments and, and their sources to fit a narrative that they want to write about. All right. Well, I guess, um, well, I, I would say the truth will come out in the wash, but I kind of doubt that, actually. Let's talk about the unvetted thousands from Afghanistan that have literally been allowed to just basically fly into D.C., land at Dulles, and go, shoo, goodbye. And then we hear the other day from Marsha Blackburn, almost none of them were vetted after, uh, after Jen Psaki assured us that all had been vetted. As the former DHS secretary, what do you have to say about that? Well, I have some real concerns about the manner in which uh, they're trying to vet a very large <clears throat> number of Afghans coming into the country. And I think it's important to, to remember 
the vast majority of these folks that are coming into places like, as you indicated, uh, Dulles Airport, but other airports and, and other facilities across the country are not your SIV holders or not your special immigrant visa holders. These are individuals that are applying for those types of visas that we actually know quite a bit about uh, that have worked for the military uh, and that we have you know, exposure to over a period of time. The vast majority of folks that are coming into the country that DHS has paroled into the country because otherwise they have no legal right to be here in the country are just Afghans. Um, and so it's very difficult to do proper background checks in a very short period of time against these individuals. You're having to verify whether an Afghan passport, birth certificate is actually a real one or whether it's fraudulent or if that individual that's applying for that is actually the individual on that passport. So there's there's some real challenges there, uh, and you're trying to do that while you're in the U.S. without State Department personnel and military personnel on the ground in Afghanistan to check out some of these individuals. And so it's very, very difficult, and I think you're going to see corners are being cut, and I think you're already seeing reports of that uh, from some assaults up in, uh, I believe, Wisconsin and mm-hmm. one in Texas on base. Yep. And I think that's just a it's a result of a very chaotic withdrawal, poorly planned, poorly executed. And now we're trying to deal with the after effects of that. And all of these individuals that are paroled in are getting the full, you know, thorough screening and vetting after they have already arrived here. (laughs) Yes, yes. And, you know, the same thing's going on with our southern border. People are being released. We just found out from the orchestra that nobody from Haiti was tested for COVID, released wholesale into the country. Is this incompetence or... Uh, or something worse? Uh, I think it's both. I think I think they don't have the right personnel advising the secretary, advising the White House and others that truly understand the nature of border security, that truly understand what it takes to secure our borders. I think they have advocates in there. Uh, they have folks from nonprofits and, and other groups that have been around these issues but have never actually operated on the border. Uh, and I think that's causing them grave issues at the moment. I also think they come at this from a very different perspective than certainly we did in the Trump administration. They don't believe in immigration enforcement. They believe in an an open borders type of regime, meaning that most everyone should be allowed to come in and stay here in the United States while they seek asylum, even though we know 90 percent will never qualify for asylum and they'll have to be returned home. They don't want to address that issue. They don't want to address the broken catch and release system. They think it's fine. They think it works. Uh, I think the majority of Americans disagree with that. Um, and so I think they just have a fundamentally different approach to, to these issues. Yeah. Um, what was different about particularly the southern border when you were involved with the uh, Trump administration? And, and what have they done to completely, I think we all have a good idea, but what would you say was the biggest uh, mistake they have been making with regard to what the Trump administration did to fix the broken immigration system? Well, I think uh, two things come to mind. One is what we did in the Trump administration is we actually listened to the operators on the ground. So that would be the men and women of the Border Patrol, the officers on the line every day, we asked them exactly what they needed to do their job uh, and things like an effective border wall system. You know, that was a response quite frequently. Uh, a Remain in Mexico uh, program, yeah. asylum cooperative agreements, all these things to make a more orderly process at the border. The current administration is not asking the Border Patrol any longer what it is they need to do their job. They're no. telling them how to yeah. do their job. And so you have bureaucrats in D.C. that are making operational decisions for the Border Patrol, and there is a lot of anxiety uh, and pent-up hostility uh, in that relationship between the Border Patrol 
and DHS uh, leadership uh, because of that. And then two is this this notion that um, that we certainly had in the Trump administration that if someone chooses to break the law, knowingly break the law, and enter the country illegally, there needs to be a consequence to that illegal behavior. Uh, and so we try to put a number of consequences in place. The Biden administration has tore down any type of consequence of coming into the country illegally. Instead, they're they're rewarding that type of illegal behavior. And in the worst way, they're trying to reward it with amnesty, uh, which is yeah. the current discussion here on, in Capitol Hill, is you have groups and groups of individuals over a number of years that have come into the country illegally. And instead of uh, holding them accountable for that illegal behavior, you're now going to give them a pathway to citizenship. Yeah. Uh, which is yeah. only going to in- encourage more illegal activity. If you were still with the uh, DHS, would you have stopped the uh, the horseback border patrol? And would you, I know you wouldn't have uh, said that they were whipping Haitians. No, absolutely not. The way I would have approached that uh, would have been to look at the video, uh, and if, you know, look at the photos. I would have said that they were doing exactly what they were trained to do. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't look like they did anything different in those videos and those pictures. They have a very difficult job to do, yeah. stopping folks that are breaking the law. You don't know if those are women and children or you don't know if those are uh, the actual coyotes and the cartel members coming across that river and that border at that time. Uh, I would side with uh, my law enforcement agents, uh, but then indicate, look, you know, I have an abundance of caution. We're going to do a, a quick investigation and I'll make those results pretty public but right now i stand with my law enforcement officers well i appreciate you uh joining me today thanks for uh, giving me your insight on all of this stuff do you think that something's got to got to give as far as our borders are concerned and if we continue to do this for for four years what's it going to mean for the country well i don't believe it's sustainable for much longer i mean the, okay. the system is going to collapse on itself and we're already seeing that so I'm hopeful that uh, the Biden administration sees the error of their ways, although I'm not holding my breath. I think, you know, the states and the governors in those states, like Governor Abbott, Governor DeSantis, Governor Ducey in Arizona, uh, they're going to continue to protect their states. uh, But they're also pursuing avenues in court. And, you know, they're starting to win a lot of cases that are really uh, aimed at some of the uh, outrageous decisions that have been made by the Biden administration not to enforce the law that are currently on the books. All right. uh, instead, they're looking the other way. Well, Chad Wolf, I appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, joining me today, I should say, and I'd love to have you on again sometime, okay? All right. Thank you. Have a glorious, glorious day. God bless our military, both living and uh, departed. God bless the Gold Star families, our first responders, police officers, Border Patrol agents, and of course you, and until tomorrow, do not, do not, do not catch the stupid. Thanks for listening to the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Check your cable guide or NewsmaxTV.com. Or watch free on YouTube, Roku, Apple, Pluto, Zumo, Amazon Fire, and your smart TV. Newsmax, America's fastest-growing cable news channel. Check NewsmaxTV.com for details. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com. 
we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.